unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Copywriters Podcast. And I can say this one's fantastic before we've even started because we've got a fantastic guest on the show today. David, I'm going to hand it over to you and let you take it away. Okay, thanks, Nathan. You're right, we do. He's million-dollar Mike Morgan. He's a top copywriter currently working for a major division in the world's largest financial publisher, Agora Inc., as a copywriter for Agora's Money Map Press division, Mike's in charge of promoting newsletters and other financial advisory services. His individual promotions have made as much as $17 million apiece. That's one sales letter. Mike doesn't like to do many interviews. He's kind of busy writing. But he's one of my closest personal friends, so I was able to convince him to share some valuable secrets with you about what it's really like to write in the big leagues. Mike's also one of my copywriting mentoring clients. I couldn't be prouder of him. And he's a Gary Halbert all-star, one of a handful of top copywriters who Bond and Kevin Halbert invited to read and comment on one of Gary's letters for their special audio series. But first, here's a special audio message for you. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do all the time, and I know Million Dollar Mike can vouch for that. In fact, it's going to legal is one of his favorite phrases. Okay, so Mike, welcome. Thank you. Um, Thank you for making time to be here. And um, why don't you tell us how you got here? I mean, everyone's path to the top is different. So share some snapshots of your journey with us. Oh, gosh. Um, what, the life story or the short version? <laughs> the very short version. <laughs> How about um, Marine, bike shop owner, scuba diving instructor, stockbroker, executive recruiter, and I hated executive recruiting. And one day I got the AWAI copywriting letter in my email inbox, and it ate a hole in my head. And I joined this crazy, 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 crazy kind of uh, work. Yes. That's awesome. So you didn't get a master's degree in creative writing. It sounds like most of your schooling was in the real world. In fact, I've heard a rumor that some people say being an executive recruiter is like getting a PhD in selling. True? It is the only product in the world that can say no. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Okay. So it seems like everyone I talk to wants to write for Agora. Um, Give us some highlights about what it's like, what it's been like. I know you wrote for Agora Financial. I think you've written for other Agora divisions. Now you have a pretty plum job with Money Map Press. Tell us how it's different than you thought it would be. It's different because it is so much more competitive. You know, before I got into writing at the Agora level, I mean, I've done a lot of things. I've done, you know, gosh, dozens of uh, product launches. I was, you know, one of the go-to guys in the marketing niche for years. And um, 
you know, those were pretty easy. I mean, relatively speaking, right? I could whip out one of those promos in two or three weeks pretty easy. Um, a month, you know, if I was really putting uh, some good effort into it. But, you know, writing at this level, man, if you're not putting, you know, a couple of months at least into a project, um, you are, you, you don't have a chance. <laughs> and, and, and what are you doing with all that time? Are, are you like rewriting your lead over and over again or there's something else you're doing, right? Well, you know, the first thing I'm doing is I'm doing a ton of research, um, way more research. You know, one of the things about writing in, um, different niches was that, you know, I would interview the product owner. Um, and I would, you know, completely go through the product and I could usually find, you know, a great big idea, um, from those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, rarely now do I find the, uh, a big idea through those kind of means. Now I, my search is a lot, um, broader. Um, you know, I'm looking at what's going on in the news. I'm looking at what's going on in the markets. I'm looking at, you know, where people's psychology is, you know, at this point in, uh, right now the longest bull market ever in the history of uh of of bull markets so you know i just search a lot broader well uh, let, let me put you on the spot have you ever read a whole book just to do a promo oh yeah okay now let me let me take this further have you ever read a whole book on seemingly a completely different topic for a promo on a different topic well yeah, <laughs> I have. So that's a kind of research. I mean, I've, I've, I've done, you know, a lot of different niches too, you know, below the level of what you're talking about. And I don't think I ever read a book for, for that kind of research. And I don't think I needed to. I mean, uh, you, that was probably your experience too. But, but here we, we are talking about becoming, to use a cliche, a subject matter expert at least for a couple months, just, just to write the sales letter. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, in fact, I've written stuff where, you know, I ended up knowing as much, if not more than the guru. That's, that's, that's interesting. So, all right. I understand it's competitive. I, I need, I understand you need to do more research, but, but when it comes to the writing, what's the difference in writing for, say, uh, the internet marketing niche where you're selling an info product about internet marketing or writing copy for a big financial publisher? What's the difference in the writing process and the writing itself? Way more editing, far more editing. In fact, uh, you know, most of the time when I was writing uh, niche copy, you know, I might, uh, I might get my draft done, you know, everything up to the draft is exactly the same. You're, you're trying to, you know, get that draft out as quickly as possible. So you've got something to work with, right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, bef so before the Agora, you know, level, I would, you know, maybe do a couple of edits. I might rearrange a couple of things. I might do a couple of edits. I'd do a read through before I turn it in. Well, now, you know, I could be writing, rewriting it as many as four to five times, um, sometimes even even more. I know I wrote a, uh, I did a, a project with uh, Paris Lampopoulos and um, his average, uh, his average cub does seven rewrites. So <laughs> On I one piece. Five. Yeah, I did five. 
but still, you know, yeah. you, just, you wow. work a lot harder. Could, could you, I, I know you don't want to give away all your secrets and I know Paris is kind of close to the vest about is, so we don't need to talk about it. He taught you necessarily, but when you're doing a rewrite, could you, could you zero in on a few things that most, most copywriters wouldn't even know to look at that, that you're looking hard for to fix? You know, um, well, the logical structure um, mm -hmm. is very important. You know, make sure you've got that, you know, A, B, C, D. You know, they have to believe this before they can believe this, before they can believe this. And, um, you know, that's a lot harder in the financial market. Um, another thing is, too, you know, sometimes you've got some really good stuff and it's, you know, on page, you know, 17. And you've got to figure out a way to move that stuff from page 17, you know, to like maybe page four. Okay. So there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more um, shuffling the deck, as you might say. So, okay. So I, I just came up with an image in my mind and I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, you're, you're a swimmer, right? You're a scuba diver and yeah. you're a Marine. So um, is it, is writing internet copy more like walking through a field where the landmines are pretty clearly marked and you just don't step on the landmines? And in terms of the resistance and the objections and the skepticism, is writing financial copy more like trying to swim through solid may, um, not mayonnaise, um, honey? <laughs> Uh, molasses molasses that was the word i was looking for molasses <laughs> it sure feels that way sometimes it sure feels that way um but there's like these like unknown little you know mines in the molasses that you have to look out for and i'll tell you you know the um when i was doing niche copy it was like my stuff was money you know it worked every time basically i mean i had very few clients in you know the five or six years that I wrote copy before I got into the big leagues um, that, uh, you know, that my clients didn't rave about. And I've had my ass handed to me. I can say ass, can't I? Uh, Nathan? Sure. Yeah. Ass is on our approved list. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my ass handed to me more times in, you know, in, at this level um, than I ever thought was even possible. You know, I thought I was a way better copywriter before I started in this, you know, working at this level than I really was. Well, I mean, that, that's interesting because uh, I don't think you're exactly saying that like anyone can just hit home run after home run because you know other copywriters it probably wasn't like maybe it was like that from from your first sales letter but you've met you've coached and mentored other copywriters i mean so and and yet you're admitting that you've become a much much better writer since you've gotten to the financial niche uh, using cartesian logic we would therefore assume that you weren't as good a writer when you were writing for the the entrepreneurial niche ergo true well um that is true okay um, so i'm i'm i want to ask you about salesmanship because i think it's something we don't talk about enough and oh god i, I think it was our friend joe schriefer who i haven't heard him say it directly but i've heard him quoted as saying copywriting is about 95 percent salesmanship and so i mean you knew a lot about selling from having done it, not from having read books about it, but from having read books. About years it. Of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how did, how, you know, 
I've never really heard anyone talk about uh, how that experience infuses into the way you approach writing something and the way you actually write it. Um, and I don't want to put you on the spot because I know we didn't even talk about this beforehand, but do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, about how bringing all of that sales experience into your early career as a copywriter made such a difference for you? You know, um, I don't know. You know, I guess I was lucky. You know, there's a couple of schools of thought on salesmanship versus writing. I mean, you know, you talk to someone like Carlton and he'd say, give me a salesman, I'll turn him into a writer. Right. And then you talk to someone like Paris, uh -huh. he's like, you get me a writer and I'll teach him how to be a salesman. Okay. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's two distinct, um, you know, camps of how it can be. Um, and, you know, incidentally, John Carlton's one of the best freaking writers there is, you know, that's ever written sales copy. I know. Um, and yet he wants the salesman. So, you know, it's, it's, it's evolution. It's like wherever you start, whatever your core competency is, whether it's writing or whether it's salesmanship, you need to improve the other one too. You need to get them both at, you know, near the same level. So it, it's, it's, it's not exactly follow your bliss from, from your experience. What you're saying, it's more like drop and give me 20. <laughs> well, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you are. And so not many people know this about you, but you're a coach and a teacher yourself, at, at least in a past life. You've coached copywriters, but you've even coached Olympic cycling and an Olympic cycling team at USC. And these days you put 100% of your time into copywriting. But putting on your coach hat for just a minute, what advice would you give someone as a coach, as you know, who wants to eventually become a copywriter for the big publishers? You know, um, that's a great question. And there is a parallel there between athletics and being a copywriter. And that parallel is you need to work your ass off. I'm saying the approved word, right? You need to work yes. your ass off. And I never learned that more, you know, um, than being writing with the big boys and then writing with Paris, you know, a guy who, um, you know, is uh, unquestionably one of the best copywriters in the world. Um, you really realize how hard these guys work on their um, on their projects. So hard work, you know, hard work trumps talent. Really, I I, I would agree. Uh, what what do you work on? I mean, you you mentioned logic. I mean, have have you spent like hours just you know improving bullets? Have you written a hundred? I mean, what are the what are the things that you work? What does that work look like? You know, I've uh, reverse engineered head, or, um, um, bullets, you know, where I'll read the bullet. I have the product too. And I'm like looking at the, at the product to see how he made that bullet. Um, that's a really interesting thing. You know, I've gone over, you know, I've read writing books like uh, um, on writing well. Um, yeah. I didn't just read it once. I read it three times. Um, and I read it three different ways. So, you know, gosh, I, I can't really even like name all the things that I've done. Oh, <laughs> but, no, that's you know, okay. Those are a couple of examples. Th those, are, those are great examples. I mean, look, I'll, I'll make a terrible confession. I don't think I've ever, ever admitted this before. When I very first started copywriting, like 93, 94, so we're talking over 20 years ago. I looked at the finished product and I I'd come from a background. I've been a really successful journalist. 
And I thought, oh, this, this shit's easy. You know, I mean, look at, look at how simple these sentences are. And you don't even realize how full of shit you are when you say that until you go out <laughs> in the marketplace and try to actually sell something right with, with your copy until, I mean, copywriting is, you know, they, they say Hollywood is the great equalizer, great humbler. Maybe copywriting is because boy, it's, it's deceptive. And you know, they're, uh, I think we, Nathan, I think we talked about this before on another podcast. There's somebody said, you know, why, why get a coach? Why get mentoring? Why, why read books? You can get a, a copywriter certification in seven days. And they showed the little, <laughs> little badge that you can put on your website. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's really interesting how all this works. I never, I never worked as hard myself writing anything, anything that I'd written. And I'd, I'd written a screenplay, I've written a novel, I've written, you know, tons of articles as a journalist. And as, as I do writing copy, it, it is just, there's, there's a level of concentration and imagination and left brain logical thinking, all, not even all at the same time, but, you know, maybe you sort of go round robin from one thing to another, right? You know, yeah, when I'm going through my copy, I'm a lot of times in my editing process, you know, I'm looking for, I'm reading the whole thing, you know, looking at, you know, one aspect. And mm -hmm. then I'll read it again, looking at another aspect. And it's just layer upon layer upon layer of fixing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, you, you can go through it for clarity and say, okay, where where is the... Is, qualified, intelligent, distracted reader going to find a bump. If, if they find a bump, you might lose them. Then you can go through it for energy and emotional impact. Does, does the momentum ever drop and, and so forth and so on. You can do and even more granular than that, you can go through and you can look and say, you know, geez, did I use the right word there? You mm -hmm. know, what kind of good, you know, power verb could I choose for that instead? Yep. Um, and you know, those are things that make your copy a lot more lively. I agree. I agree. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques. Last time I checked a lot of people from the most advanced to the up and coming copywriters reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn has hired me 20 times. Yep. 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not. But he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab. Garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. I rarely talk about this one on the podcast and uh, Nathan, uh, you gotta forgive me for this because we may lose a few listeners on this question. But, but Mike, uh, you and I have talked about this a bit personally. 
So I thought I could broach the subject here. It seems that sometimes copywriters don't have the best people skills, which is <laughs> something that you're really good at yourself. I guess you sort of had to be the last 20 years in the executive recruiter and stockbroker business. So could you talk about what difference you have observed having people skills makes, especially in the big leagues? Um, <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'm an introvert. Yeah. Um, and you know that. I know. Uh, you know, I've been in these sales situations and I've had to have good people skills. And I guess I can give you like one quote that like sums it all up. Okay. So I've got this team at Money Math Press. And uh, my team is the um, head of this, uh, of this silo that runs, you know, um, about six different products. Yep. And the marketing manager for that silo. And the three of us are a team. And um, after a few weeks of working with uh, Adam, who is the guy who's the head of the silo, I said, you know, I've really, I've really enjoyed working with you. And he's like, yeah, I've really enjoyed working with you. I go, well, you know, what's the difference between, you know, working with me and working with other copy or copywriters? He's like, well, I've had, I guess I've had fun with other copywriters. You know, if you, if you count them humiliating me as having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess if everyone thinks they can be John Belushi, but then look what happened to him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Carlton talks about too, you know, how the copywriter is so smart and, you know, a copywriter like him. Yeah. You can have these conversations with people, but if you're like, you know, Joe average copywriter and you know, you've been, even if you've been in the business for seven or eight years and you're working with people at this level who have seen so much copy, you know, if you pull that bull shit on them you know you're you're not making the best of your situation so i i think it was dan sullivan the guy who runs strategic coach that said the the four things in business you need to remember is be on time do what you say you're gonna do say please and say thank you it sounds like kindergarten right but i, I mean what, what do you think are some skills that copywriters who might like to get a little bit of an edge by having better people skills could do, whether it's books to read or specific things to stop doing. I'll or tell you the one big thing. This is, and this should be the hook for this whole thing. Uh -huh. because, uh, this is something my grandpa taught me when I was a young man. And that is you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Fucking listen. <laughs> I dropped the f bomb, but that's how important it is. You know, um, Wait, you if your grandfather said it, we can leave it in. That's okay. <laughs> um, you know, listening skills are well, most people don't have them, and we, you know, we were playing before the the podcast, right? And mm -hmm. we were talking about how you know a normal conversation goes, where everybody's just waiting to like say what they want to say. Right. But they're not listening. They're not like deeply listening either. There might be shallow listening, but there, you need to be a deep listener. And when you're a deep listener, there's nuggets in there that you can grab and you can use in your copy. And uh, I'd say it's like that's the number one people skill you need. It's so easy. Just be a listener. Yeah, that's really good. I was just watching a video, not quite sure how I found my way to it. It was. Uh, a series of, it was a music business video. There was a 
president of Blue Note Records, the jazz records, and Bob Weir, the rhythm guitarist for the Grateful Dead. And Weir said he's he's actually a really deep, articulate, interesting guy, really, in, you know, futuristic thinker. And, and he said, to he said, and so he, they were at a Syracuse University and the special business music business program, and he was saying to the people in the audience, "This is eventually going to tie into what you're saying." Oh, I'm um, not hearing any of it. I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, he, he said. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of you are better guitar players than I am. You know, you just go in a room, play guitar, but you don't know how to listen to the other musicians on the stage while you're playing. I mean, I can hear what the piano player is doing and I can hear what the drummer is doing. And that's a different, I think that's even a higher level of listening in the moment, certainly, uh, than, than what we're talking about. But what, but what you're talking about is, is pretty high level and, unfortunately for a lot of people way too rare yeah you know um it's a good skill to listen and you know if you have a wife like mine you know she talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and um you know i've learned to listen 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 (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is you know don't be planning out what you want to say while the other guy's talking you know listen to that accept that feedback and um you know if what you had to say was any good, it's still going to come out. Yeah, good point. Uh, you're right. It, it's a question of being in the moment versus, you know, planning the next step of the conversation. <laughs> that is great. And, you know, that's a skill that, uh, gosh, you know, 80% of people don't live in the moment. And I'm being kind by saying that because it's probably 98%. <laughs> I, I I see a book, Zen and the Art of Client Retention for Copywriters. Okay, so finally, you've, you've already given so much value. I'm almost embarrassed to ask this question, but I'm going to get over my embarrassment and ask you. Uh, I'd like to ask you for one or two really great tips for a copywriting career that nobody talks about, but you wish you'd known yourself way back when. What would those be? I mean, I did a lot of things right. You know, I got mm-hmm. a mentor. You know, mm-hmm. that was really important. You know, the market is the cruelest freaking judge there is. And having a mentor really kind of gets you around that. So, but, you know, a lot of people know that. Um, they just don't want to buck up the money for it. You know, how much money did I buck up to have you? You know, I basically bought myself a friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> friend so for sale, I, friend for sale. I, 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 I earned that part. But I'll tell you, you know, the stuff that I learned from you, I mean, you know, look, you're just a few months into uh, writing copy it, after working with you, I wrote my first million dollar letter. You know, I wrote my first million dollar letter seven months after becoming a copywriter. So, you know, I would say I would say this. Never stop learning. Okay. I've had fits and starts with that. I mean, I love to learn. But I've had fits and starts with that in terms of my copywriting career. And, you know, when things were going really well, I was like, you know, you know, your ego and your is overriding, you know, everything else. And it's saying, you know, I know this stuff. I know this stuff cold. And, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I know cold. But, you know, this copywriting thing is like freaking layers of the onion. I mean, 
How many of you guys have read Breakthrough Advertising? Have you like got everything you need out of Breakthrough Advertising the first time you ever read it? Hell no. You know, I've, that's I've been reading it for 30 years and I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can read that book every year and you're going to learn something new. And, and that's because you're in a different place than you were then. And that's, you know, part of the evolution of a career is to just is to keep on top of your learning, you know, and and look in weird places, you know, look in weird places like, you know, therapy, you know, learn what therapists, you know, how they're, you know, how they might, you know, categorize people um, and, you know, how you can use some of that categorization in your copy, you know, as you're like talking to and you're visualizing this, this, um, um, avatar in your head. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'd say, and I, I learned this, I learned this late, you know, I think when I was writing a lot of niche copy for marketing, you know, that was so easy for me. And, uh, Mike Phil same said this to me once, uh, I was his, uh, creative director, you yeah. know, why you're so good at writing this copy is because you're basically, you're writing to yourself. Because I was like a lot of the avatar of the people that wanted to get into internet marketing. Well, I wasn't necessarily my own avatar when I got into finance. And I had to like find myself an avatar. And it's my brother-in-law who is like, you know, super skeptical, um, super conservative, and um, 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 and kind of a know-it-all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. I had to write to, I have to visualize him in my head now when I'm writing financial copy, you know, where's he going to call bullshit on me? You know, <laughs> but, but that's really helpful, right? Because a lot of us, I think, you know, the default position for writer is to write to yourself is, you know, I think that's why so much advertising is like a, you know, a, 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 a one way or a two way mirror, like, you know, like they have in uh, uh, interrogation rooms on TV, you know, and we have ways of making you talk. So so <laughs> you're um, inside the room and you you look at the mirror and it looks looks back at you. You see your own image. You're outside the room and you look through the mirror and you see the people inside the room. Right. Right. Uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of people when they're writing to an avatar, it's like they're inside the room and they just see themselves. The more advanced skill, the one you just mentioned, is like they're outside the room. And so when the customer looks at the mirror, they see themselves. But the copywriter looks through the mirror and sees the avatar. And you've got to be authentic to that avatar, too. You know, you can't, uh, you know, that speaks a lot to voice in writing, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, authenticity is, you know, is something that is like so, so, so valuable. Right. I mean, in in a way, you have to write from the heart and you have to sometimes go through some unusual twists and turns to write in someone else's voice, your client's voice and still write from the heart. But that's where the authenticity comes from. Yeah, ultimately. you know, Carlton has his saying, you know, he'd stock the computer and and he'd say, you know, that money in your pocket belongs to me. And I have a whole different attitude about it, you know. I mm-hmm. um I want to um I want to help people. You know, um one of my sales mentors back when I was in the brokerage industry, you know, he taught me that Really, what selling is, is it's helping people get what they want. And I know Carlton has deep, deep empathy 
And he operates out of that. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, he's an a-hole that's going to use every trick in the book to sell you. But, you know, you've got to get that empathy, you know, coming out of you. You've got to want to help this person get what they want. And, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, the methods that we use um, might be a little dramatic. You know, they might be a little, a little different, but they should always be honest. Um, yep. And they should always come from that place of empathy. Well. I have no problem with drama. I think it's great. <laughs> I have drama with my wife all the time. I'm like, you know, hey, you married a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, but Mikey, when I met you, you were just a scientist and a cycler. I didn't know I was signing up for this. <laughs> yeah, well, evolution, right? That's right. <laughs> Is that like she didn't change? <laughs> we all change, right? We all go through life you know, partly at the core where we're the same, but man, there are like different parts of us that change and change and change through every aspect of our lives. So as a, as a biology major, surely, you know, the Greek letter Delta, the triangle is uh, a, a symbol in a math equation for change. Right. And I like to say Delta is ready when you are <laughs> Which which means you got to be ready for it. Well, no, sometimes it's ready when you're not. It'll it, it, it ha anyway. This is getting very philosophical. Well, and the more stubborn you are, too, the harder you know it can be to get that <laughs> delta, too, right? And I'm a guy who can be a little bit stubborn. You know, yeah, it's sort of like a process server at your door, right? First, yeah. it's, <laughs> then it's then it's bam, 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 right? <laughs> exactly. I'm here for your TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Million Dollar Mike Morgan. This was such a wonderful interview. Nathan, I noticed you didn't interrupt, but do you have any comments or questions before we go? I just wanted to say uh, one big takeaway you guys mentioned a couple of times throughout the show that I really want the listeners to understand is a major part of copywriting is knowing when your reader is going to say, that's bullshit. And knowing how to, uh, Mike started off the interview with this, and it's so important knowing if they're not going to believe this, they're not going to believe anything else. So, in order to get them to believe this, you have to know why they're not believing it, and you have to be able to knock those dominoes down in a sequential order. And going back through your copy and editing it with that in mind is one of the things that I don't hear people talk about when it comes to editing copy very much, but I think was a major. Uh, aha moment for me during this episode. Editing's where the real work starts. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like in in sales, the fortune is in the follow up. In copy, the fortune is in the editing. Really. Well, I want to say I learned a lot, and I really appreciate both of you guys having this conversation. Mike, where can people go if they want to find more of your work? Um, nowhere. <laughs> That's <laughs> he's off the market. We just pulled him here out of sheer friendship and good luck. But um... I don't have products any. Well, I have products, but I took them all off the market. You know, I'm a thousand percent focused on what I'm doing with Money Map Press, um, and I don't like to do interviews. I'm doing this one with David because he's a great friend, and um, and I do like to give back. Don't get me wrong. But um, you could probably find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash million dollar Mike. And um, if you're a writer, I'd love to be connected to you. Um, just uh, um, send me a message. 
send me a message when you make a friend request because, uh, you know, I cut down my Facebook from 5,000 people down to like 3,300 because my signal to noise ratio was awful. And um, um, I'm not going to take the ch- you know, the time to go and research you. Um, would you tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe we'll be friends? That sounds good. Mike, I do appreciate you coming on. David, thanks for booking this. And uh, both of you, thanks for an awesome, enlightening conversation. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. See you guys next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.